Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. goes first you can go I don't mind I'll go you've hogged the first ready. one ready when I was the least thing it was ready steady go ready steady oh, we used to say ready steady go hmm. what ready's steady steady go go yep okay. can you run did you used to run when you I'm were a kid terrible at running oof don't look at me run really yeah and I chase people outside court that's okay because I'm covered by other people because we run in a pack but otherwise not good at running actually you put a, a thing of you on Instagram t- running around the garden with the dog yeah. just recently yeah I've weird at running right can I be honest yeah I looked at it and thought why is she doing a funny run yeah is that, is that's that... a normal run is it yes <laughs> what's wrong with your legs I don't know I just I can't run why I do... was I was a tomboy at school <laughs> Actually, that means I probably should be able to run. Yeah. But I just... Why don't, I don't you take know. purposeful strides? I don't. It was like a little... Yeah, I know. And I, I skip like a, a lot. <laughs> like I skip around the newsroom. Like if I have to get somewhere, I kind of do a skip to get there. I love skipping. I love how eight-year-old girls go everywhere on their toes. Yeah, they skip like everywhere. Skip, do. skip, skip. I love it. Mm. Oh, okay. Anyway, I've cleared that up. You go first. Okay, so... If you want to. Yes, this is another story that was passed on to me by Kate Jones, used to be the court reporter at Channel 7, and she, I believe, listens to us while she breastfeeds and she thinks of ideas that... Um, Anya, Kate? Yeah. Breastfeeding is the be- Oh, my God, it is the best. You're the second person to say that to me in it's recent times. It's the best feeling. What? It's like... What? It is. I don't have children, so I can't talk about anything well, to do with this breastfeeding. strange little, I didn't have it with Bonnie in my first one, but with Bailey, it's, it's this strange euph- euphoric feeling. Yeah, it's really mm. interesting. And then you start to think, how good am I? I'm giving this child life. This child is getting life from me. I know you do, you really like It's a moment where I'd rather you were doing accents about a weird story than you saying, look at me, giving this child life. You do, when you're pregnant and when you give... voice you do. But have you ever noticed that with women who have babies or when they're pregnant, they think yeah. they're like the only one who's ever been pregnant. Yeah, that They're absolutely. so special. Yes. I'm not having a go at her. I'm not a tennis fan at all. But Serena Williams is doing it. I know. Um, she actually released some amazing photos of her warming up. She's got the kid on her boob. But she Good keeps referring to it as though, you know, look at me with my baby. And I can't hate her for it because when you have the baby, you're like going, oh, look at me how I I did this. I made a human. I made a a human. My body made a human. Yes. Yeah. We talk about people killing humans, but. Yep, I'm, gone. I'm glad you've gone the life. Sorry to all the babies. The life situation. With the bodies. Because we're going to talk about death. <laughs> right. Okay, so Kate pointed out to me this article, and I need to uh, credit the independent here, about uh, Washington, the state of Washington, being poised to make history by legalising a way of dealing with the dead that's also good for the planet, and it is by composting. Humans? Yep. Okay. So we all know everyone really gets cremated or buried, but what this will do is it actually, it's quite harmful for the environment to cremate people. Why? Because it takes a lot of fuel and energy and all of those things to do this. So 
It's being led by this man called uh, Jamie Pedersen. Uh, he's a Democrat and he's pushing for this as a, as a bill to get through. Um, they want Washington to be the first nation permitted to undergo composting, a process in which human remains are gently broken down into soil so they can be used to sustain new life. Why are you doing that, face? How do you gently break down a body? If, if a body could be gently broken down, then murderers would be doing that, not using axes and bow swords and things and whatever else they use. So. How do you gently break down a body? They tried it. Oh, did they? Yep. So I need to find her name because I really should credit her. Her name's Katrina Spade. She is a 41-year-old Seattle-based designer and entrepreneur. Uh, She did a whole lot of... Remember we've talked about the body farm? Mm. So she did that pretty much over in the States where they you know, looked at how different remains broke down uh, in different environments. So mm. she worked with researchers at the Western Carolina University and the Washington State University to turn her vision, which she dubbed recomposition, into reality. The process involves placing unembalmed human remains wrapped in shroud in a five foot by ten foot cylindrical vessel with a bed of organic materials such as wood chips, um, alfalfa and straw. Alfalfa? That's what it says. What is it? Not a sandwich. I know I used to eat that. Anyway, um, air is then periodically pulled into the vessel providing oxygen to accelerate um, microbial activity. Within approximately one month, the remains are reduced to a cubic yard of compost and can be used to grow new plants. What do you think? No. Oh. It's horrible. What do you... The safety of the process depends on maintaining a temperature of 131 degrees Fahrenheit for 72 consecutive hours to destroy pathogens. According to Spade, the heat is generated by the naturally occurring microbes. It's like a recipe. You just that's, imagine that you just get it some soil back, chuck it in the backyard. No. Not no, into it. No, okay. No, well no. then I started looking around because well, I suppose I was, then you could be, you could like plant a tree or something, couldn't you? Well yeah. But who wants to be dirt? Well it's like you know those people that we spoke about in another episode that want to bury their loved ones in a backyard? Now they can they can. Yeah, but that's oh Okay, so then I started looking at other ways. I was Googling. Yes. And I found... Oh, there's a surprise. I always Google. Well, goodness gracious me. Butter me on both sides. Cut me off and call Butter me Butter me on both sides. <laughs> My mother says it on that. And I found a process called aquamation. Oh, you know you're just making shit up. No. Stop it. I'm not making shit up. This is real. This is real shit. Aquamation is real. Because you Googled it. Yeah. They do it on the Gold Coast. <laughs> and I'll tell you how else I know it's real because it's listed as a way to uh, say goodbye to a loved one on our government website. I it's know why they send you into the courts to cover court cases. So you can't make shit up. You have to listen to what is happening and report it factually. You can't just Google it. If they left you sitting in the newsroom, said Shine, I'll find a story, you'd be coming up. What's this called? Com- What's it? No, shut up. If you don't want to listen, you don't know no, what it's okay, called. No, okay, go on. Aquaman. Okay, this is from sustainability.vic.gov.au. Yes. Currently, there are four main options available to Australians. Burial, cremation, donate your body to science, aquamation. No way. 
What is it? It's like a movie. Yeah, shove it up your dead body. Aquamation is listed there as a way of... What do they do? Okay. Does it have water? It sounds watery. So it's actually called alkaline hydrolysis. It's a natural process in which human or animal returns to nature as if buried without a coffin uh, in the soil or placed in flowing stream of water. Alkaline hydrolysis is an environmentally friendly product that creates zero pollution and can contribute to the health of communities and help preserve the environment. It uses less than 10% of the electricity of traditional cremation, leading to excellent savings in carbon emissions that will make a better world for future generations. It also produces no mercury emissions or other toxic air emissions. Further advantages of alkaline hydrolysis are that pacemakers do not need to be removed prior to the process and items such as titanium hip implants can be reused as they remain intact and sterile. (gasps) Jewellery, gold teeth and other implants are all recovered at the end of the process. Alkaline hydrolysis uses a combination of flowing water, high temperature and alkalinity to accelerate the natural course of tissue and chemical breakdown. Remember, our bodies are 70% water to begin with. So what do you end up with at the end of it? Just water. <laughs> not, not. I think no, you're turning to nothing. Right. Alkaline hydrolysis is a non-burn process that is completely automated. At the end of the process, the body has been returned to its original form, amino acids, peptides, sugars, and salts. The only solid remains are the bones, which are the same as after a cremation, a ground and returned to the family as ashes. Okay. And you can reuse your titanium hip implant. So oh, that's if your smart. grandma goes, well, no, you can keep sense. it on the shelf and pop it in when you get well, old. Well, then they can reuse it and for it says someone it's else. sterile too. Just wash it, pop it through the dishwasher. Would you on. use that on someone else? Imagine you go get a hip implant and they say you, you get it done and wake up. They go, oh, Chanel, how's your hip feeling? I go, it's feeling very good. And they go, well, Thelma liked it too. Oh, but but Thelma, <laughs> Thelma might have been a good runner. And mm. therefore, you would then be able to run like Thelma, but only on one side. Good I won't old, need good a hip implant because I won't run. Oh, okay, that, that's all food for thought, isn't and it? And I have one small story. It's not on a piece of paper. It's in my brain. Come on. Don't look for a piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I've told you uh, previously mm. in the newsroom when the chopper goes up, there's a television screen in the newsroom that just shows us live what the camera, what the chopper's shooting. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, the other day, and I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to identify the person, uh, uh, Chopper went up because yep. there'd been a drowning. Yep. Yep. <gasps> and I saw these pixelated on the news. Don't say what they were because no, I don't I want won't. the family to know because this, this is away from that story. It I thought that, of you when I oh, saw it. You? I thought, I bet she's looked at this without the pixelation. Yeah, I had. So I was standing in the newsroom watching it while I was zooming in. You could see the dead body on the beach, oh, all that. It was all and floppy. I, you could tell it was floppy. Yeah, it was The floppy. pixelation was yeah. like... So then they wrap the guy up, they pop him on a uh, board of some sort. Yeah. Uh, and they put the board on the back of a ute. So if the only way I can explain it, it was like a really small kind of four by four ute when I say like a beach buggy. Yeah. So the board was on the back of it in the sense like on top of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't in the tray, it was on top of the tray. And then they start. Uh, taking the body away mm-hmm. and there's guys running behind as you know holding it so it doesn't slide off 
and they're driving past all these people who are in beach tents enjoying this beautiful day and there goes the dead body past them on the beach. Not even, and I started pointing oh. going, look at all these people that are just enjoying their day at the beach and our dead bodies going past them. Oh. And there were children everywhere <gasps> and they like, had to get the body off the beach. How do they do it? They wrapped him up. He looked like a big mummy. Yeah. But um, Whoa. yeah, they were just there and there was the body going past them. And I thought, mm. oh. They're creating dead body stories. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I knew you'd be looking at that. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Are there any are the pictures still around somewhere unpixelated? Yeah, they'll be in our server at work. Do you want to see? What? I'll remember to take a screenshot. Can't put it on the internet, though. No, I don't. No, no. no. Just send to me. Uh, this story was prompted by an email from a Dead Bodies listener by the name of Denali. Thank you, Denali, who says definitely wouldn't recommend accents on this one. Oh, she started it with that. It may be a he. I don't know. Oh, Denali. I will do accents if I see it, fit. They've warned you, though. Gunther von Hagen. Oh, my has asked his partner to put his body on display after he is dead. Gunther is a German scientist, also known as You're Dr. defying our listeners. Dr. Death. I did German at high school. I know what I'm doing. Leave this with me. Trust me, We've Chanel. just lost another listener. Denali's going to write to us. Ich heiße Didi. Ich wohne in Australia. Ich, das ist nicht sehr kalt. That is sehr gut. I can do it. I can do it. Christ alive. Uh, Gunther von Hagens is the man who invented a process called plastination. Have you heard of that? I've heard of this. How many big words have we used in this episode? We sound so smart tonight. Um, Plastination preserves human bodies so they can be put on public display should you wish to. The first exhibition of whole bodies was in Japan in 1995. They have now been shown in more than 50 cities to more than 45 million people. So don't call me and Charnel and Kirsten, even though she doesn't say anything, she just sits there. She's always here with us. She's coming down with us. Don't call us ghoulish because 45 million people have gone to look at the dead bodies. There you are. Uh, this show actually toured Australia in 2018. Now, do you remember in high school we used to have rats to dissect? Did you dissect a rat? Uh, I think we did cow's eyes. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had cheap size. Yeah, mm. um, that was using formalin. Usually, it had a bit of a smell to it. That eighteen ninety six, I started using that. Um, they've used wax. This is if they want to preserve tissues in some way. Right. Um, sometimes they impregnate tissues with paraffin. That was introduced in nineteen twenty five. From the nineteen sixties, organs were embedded in plastic, and you sometimes see them in doctors' offices. There's like a a, a kidney or something in a that's in not a pla- real though. In a block of resin. Are you sure? I think you're fine. Sometimes they're not. They like come apart like a toy. Have you ever seen the ones that's like, I just want to do things with it? Mm. Um, So. Not sure what you want to do with it, but okay. (laughs) Play with it. Observe. Uh, So, with plastination, what it means is that they can preserve tissues. It means they don't have to kill as many animals because they can study, you know, these plastinated ones. Right. Right. So, let's go back to July 1997. Gunther Gunther von Hagens was working at the University of Heidelberg's Institute of Pathology and Anatomy, and he was looking at a collection of its specimens embedded in plastic. Um, and he had the idea to, rather than set the organ in plastic, to push plastic into the cells rather than around them. So he started working on some slices of human kidneys. 
Mm, oh. Hungry? No. He watched the air bubbles. Just six ninety nine a kilo. Slices Ooh. of human kidneys. Nice. Uh, he was stirring the hardener. There were little bubbles that had to be extracted, um, and he then thought of um, making like a vacuum condition so that he could do it and get the. Um, I'm not going to go into the process because it's mm. too complex and I've mucked it up already. Anyway, the first time he tried it, it shriveled up into a little black mass within an hour. And he went, ah, gosh darn it, it is not working. I will be trying again. It's actually um, not bad, but I still think you should be doing mm. it because the person told us <laughs> it not was to turning, do it. It <laughs> black. It was turning black because of the plexiglass apparently and it was shrinking because it was being impregnated too fast and every girl hates that. Being impregnated too fast? <laughs> You can get treatment for that. There's like billboards. Stronger, longer. <laughs> You're being rude and rude tonight. <laughs> when they have those, poor, I feel so sorry for men when they've got those ads for that <laughs> last longer in the bedroom because I don't know about like, you. I'm German and I want to talk about sex. <laughs> That's you tonight. What's going on? <laughs> but What's happening? You know how there's those ads and it's like, oh, you know, please her for longer. Get, ask the women what they think because I don't know about you. I'm a busy woman. I, <laughs> Same. I agree. But you just don't want him there forever just banging on. I agree. I agree. Grinding away. Just like get it, you know. Hurry up. Um, okay. Get it on and get it over with. <laughs> all right. So, oh, we're awful. So we tried again. Oh. Uh, he used liquid silicon rubber. <laughs> we'll try it again. No, please. Let's not try it. No, don't. Uh, he worked more slowly this time and he cured the specimen in the open air. Ta-da! Dr. Van Hagens had created the world's first plastinate. So in March 1978, he filed a patent for his invention. Why he even bothered to do that? Like as if there are other people in the world wanting to make, you know, turn tissue into plastic. I don't think so. But anyway, he protected his patent. Uh, he refined the process. Thirteen years later, he created his first full body plastinate. He founded the Institute for Plastination. It's called the Body World and um, exhibits. And he's got a lab and they make mostly specimens for medical teaching around the world. But they have that show that they take around the world. It was in Australia last year. Uh, And apparently in that display, they've got things like a set of smokers' lungs. And if you smoke... You apparently take one look at these lungs and you'll just never, ever touch a cigarette again. That'd be great. Now, Gunther is 72 now. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease about 10 years ago, so he can, can't speak properly anymore. Mm. Apparently, he used to play the violin. He can't do that anymore. He's terminally oh. ill. And he has told his wife that he wants to become a permanent part of the Body Worlds exhibition. I've got oh. a question for you in a second. Um his wife is an anatomist, Dr. Angelina Wally. She also wants to be plastinated. Now, apparently to do a whole body takes about a year. So Gunther has said to Angelina, you are entitled to freeze me down to... <laughs> to what? To what? He says like, she... what's the word? Freeze. <laughs> freeze. Freeze. She freeze. can freeze him. Yeah. Down to minus 25 for one year. Uh, but he said, <laughs> after that time, I'm not doing an accent. Why are you laughing? After that time. Gunther saying you are entitled. <laughs> I know, but that's how he's, they talk. Um, he says, 
look, I won't say his actual words, but he says that he can, she can freeze him for a year. But after that time, his words were, "You, you really need to put your hands on me, because otherwise I will get freeze burn." <laughs> Microphone back on. A terrible mic off. <laughs> Stop it, because I'm, I'm being offensive. But he's right because meat gets it's awful when you put something in the freezer and you go back to get the mince. It's like a, over a year and it's all grey around the edges. So we can't have that happening to him. So she's got oh. a year to more and then she has to get busy. And until recently, he wanted to be sliced up because apparently he liked the idea of being in different parts of the world at the same time. But he has suggested. Or she suggested to him that he undergo a full body plastination. So, and she reckons that it would be good to put him at the beginning of the exhibition. Wouldn't that be perfect? And to just sort of, take him to every single one. But there, is there several running at the same time around the world? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know that. Um, but he um, he wears this fedora hat all the time. Is this the guy that did the show? Yes. Yeah. All oh, right. He's, got, like, He's quite unique. You know him very eccentric. Yes. Yeah, wears the hat all the time. All the time. Apparently, he he says it helps him think. So he they reckon you know have him at the beginning of the exhibition with the hat on. My question for you is: Yes, if if you die, I plastinate you. What pose do you want me to put you in in the exhibition? I know exactly the one. What? Two fingers up. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just flipping the bird, two birds at the start of the exhibition. <laughs> there I am. You know why? Because I spent my whole life so far with people doing that to me. <laughs> oh, if the media, uh, they do that to me, I'll do it back to everyone else. Charming, Chanel. I what think, are you doing? Well, I would want to be lying languidly on a couch Oh, in the manner of a, a dame. Oh, very chalk and cheese. With, with a those fluffy guys. dog on my lap. Would you? Yes, just with like Dame Barbara like Carpenter. French lady. With pearls and. And then there's me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now, question. Where does yes. he get all these bodies from? Donations? Hmm. Yes, there's a body pro- uh, donation program in Germany. 15,000 people. Thus far, have agreed to donate their bodies. They're not dead yet. Oh right. Uh, about ninety percent of the donors are German. Fourteen are Australian. Wow. There's another. I'm not two- doing that ever. No, I don't think so. Two thousand bodies have been um, plastinated and are waiting to become part of the Body Worlds exhibits around the world. Oh, so they must be all around the world. And they, when someone is donated, they never tell the relatives or the next of kin if they've been done or where they've been done or what, what because they don't want the, the exhibit becoming a memorial. Oh. In other words, you can't go and visit mum's kidneys because they don't want that happening. Right. Now, uh, just to get back to Denali, who emailed us about this. So Denali had just been to see. This <laughs> off this episode. Yep. Um, I had been to see Body World's Vital in Sydney. Oh, she. She's a she. Yep. Sorry, Denali. It's an unusual name. Uh, Denali says, okay, now this is her speaking now, not me. I was aware there was an upset last year in which the origin of the bodies used in this exhibition was questioned. These ethically questionable bodies were all Chinese, unlike this year's exhibition. It was suspected that last year's corpses were of unwilling prisoners of war and refugees. This year, however, they are said to be ethically donated. Can I just make a point there? That is the truth. Um, But let's go on with what they're ethically donated. Okay, yeah. Let's go back to what Denali um, believed. I showed a Korean kitchen hand at my work, which is like the next level up from you Googling stuff. Showing a Korean kitchen hand. Right. Yeah. 
uh, some of the photos and told her about last year's scandal. And she began to tell me about a famous conspiracy theory behind a pregnant woman bo- woman's body plastination in China. A popular TV broadcaster, just looking across at Charnel, who's what? a popular TV broadcaster. Uh, who was speculated to be the mistress of a Chinese politician. So the TV girl and the politician, yeah, uh, revealed she was eight months pregnant with his child right before she mysteriously vanished. A year later, a plastinated cadaver of an eight months pregnant woman was displayed. From what the kitchen hand told me, the wife of the cheating politician was also the CEO of the human body plastination company based in Dalian in China. Now, Denali, who emailed us, says, Upon researching myself, I'm not sure it's correct uh, that the wife was the CEO. Well, that does make for a much juicier plot. But it seems the founder of the Dalian establishment of the Body Worlds exhibition, Dr. Von Hagens, had a special relationship with the politician in question. So it makes for a juicy story that the politician got that. Yeah, okay. Uh, The story appeared on a number of Asian websites. In each case, though, there is a retraction published. I won't read the whole story uh, in an Asian accent as I read it. But um, one of the stories is still up online. It basically tells the story that that, uh, Denali passed on to us. But there is a big note at the bottom that says that uh, the publishers of the website received a message from lawyers representing Von Hagen's Plastination Incorporated denying that he had displayed the plastinated body of uh, her name was Zhang Weiji and demanding a retraction. So it's absolutely not true. It's just one of those urban myth things. Yeah, right. But I think where some confusion has arisen, I think there is uh, Dr. Gunter Von Hagen's exhibitions and I think there might be a rival one. Oh. that is also done and there may be some question marks about that but I honestly don't think those things would – I mean, you wouldn't do that, would you? Why would you display her if you were going to no. No, remove someone? Um, and then I will finish with a very nice quote from Dr. Angelina Wally, Gundavang Hagen's wife. He's still alive, by the way. Yep. Because uh, she was in Australia last year when she launched the exhibition here. She said, in the West we have somehow become distracted from death – Although it is such a natural part of life, nowhere else than close to death can you really feel life. Which I wonder, I mean, the reason we started this podcast is that I'm so terrified of death. Mm. Is it because being close to death reminds you how alive you are? It's very deep, isn't it? It's very deep. Very deep. It is true. When a tragedy happens or when you lose someone close to you, you start to think about how great life is. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we've got some feedback. Yes. Do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, Judy on our email, deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Hi, DD and Chanel. Nice things, nice things in bracket. I'd love a T-shirt. Well, we haven't done them yet. I know. Are we, you're saying it like we're going to. Well, I have thought about it. Have I was you? thinking about just you know making us one each. Same. With embroidery. Would you wear an embroidered? T-shirt. Why is it embroidered? Well, because I do embroidery. Oh, you would embroider it. Mm. Mm, Cute. Uh, I'm taking that as a yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. You a ten? Eight. Ten? Go a ten. I don't like tight things. Uh, Just cringing at the icky foot fajitas. That was disgusting. Episode 28. I love your reactions and I love... 
your accents, Dee Dee. Keep them up. Thank you. Who's that? Judy. Thanks, Judy. Today's Icky Foot reminded me of a documentary I saw a few years ago. Actually, I thought it was a mockumentary on First Watch. I did a bit of research and found out it was actually true. She's done screaming face emoji. The movie is called The Final Member. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube now. It's the story of a lovely old gentleman who had a penis museum in Iceland. He is wanting to add the final piece to his collection, a human penis. Apologies if you've already seen it. It comes down to a race between an old Icelander who wants to donate his penis on his death and a seriously weird American who wants to have his member surgically removed so he can be the first. It's a fascinating story, a genuine collector, a narcissistic American, a randy old explorer, and the length people will go to. At least they didn't make a sausage sanger <laughs> and invite all their friends for brunch. She Penises raises a good point. Funny, aren't they? Thanks again for all the fabulous, fabulous stories you bring us. Cheers, Judy. Would they be... Would I know they, people... Would they be floppy? Or would they... You could get some plastination done and change that. Yeah. I know people who have to be the first, you know? Yeah. Go to a press conference. There's always that journal that has to be the first to ask a question. You know, just people that like free things are being handed out. They have to be the first. This is terrifying. He wants to have Mm. his penis surgically removed so he can get in before the Icelander. I can't say that word. I don't know why I keep... There's something wrong there. There's something seriously wrong there. Mm. How about you? Uh, Nicole, the email, deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Hi. Oh, okay. Hi. I love listening to this show. My cousin Kim recommended I tune in. We have a black sense of humour, so the subject of death is appealing. Now, Nicole's cousin Kim was the one who sent us the photo of the old lady buzzard. Who was oh. dead? The little boy took it. Remember yes. that? And they email it back and forth to each yes. other? Okay. All right. In the group chat. It yep. pops up in the group chat. That's right. Yeah. My dead body story. Well, I've seen a few dead animals. Do they count? My dad was a vet and sometimes an animal didn't make it. Dad in the 80s disposed of the body in a big black garbage bag at the local tip. Sometimes it was my job to help him drag the stiff body out of the van. He was quite strong and managed to hurl this dead dog, let's say, way into the air. It would fly over the top mound, then disappear. Gone. Mm. I remember asking once, is that the burial? Oh, dear. Oh, Oh dear. Uh, My dad died years later and I saw his body a few hours after his last breath. It was strange to see his corpse so still, so tight and set like a naked, bit hairy Madame Tussaud figure. It was Mm. surreal but gave me peace. Uh, So only one more point to make. Why was he naked? Carry on. Yeah. If I had a dead body to dispose of, I would call Kim. I'd ask her to build with an earth mover, a big bike jump addition to her son's motor track and lay the body deep in the mound. I'd pay Kim handsomely with a cold six pack and a 50 from the machine hire. That's actually really good. I hope you read this for my cousin, Nicole. Honestly, what a family they are. They're That's fantastic. actually really good. <laughs> and the cops turn up. What's that at the back? Oh, it's just old mate's jump track, whatever. Yeah. no. I can see it yeah. in my head, like the pyramid of dirt and right down in the bottom there. Mm-hmm. That's smart. It's not too bad. Uh, I have... Kelsey, uh, on Facebook, 
she's writing to us from New Zealand. Hey guys, been meaning to send my fan letter in for a while. Nice things, nice things. But actually, this is my favourite podcast and I'm always excited for Monday so I can hear it. I've never seen a dead body, but I did work uh, at a hospital where they have a metal box. They take down the deceased patient to the morgue in. It's called a silver bullet and I've seen one of those. I almost saw a dead body uh, in Dee Dee's terms. Yes, I almost saw a dead body. Well, I do almost see them <laughs> oh, all the time. The day and I almost saw another dead body. There was a lady on Twitter the other day who said she jogs. I hope she started listening because I asked her to. Uh, she jogs and she expects to see dead bodies all the time yeah, when see? she's jogging. Yeah. She says, I was up on a farm hanging out with a horse and there were a bunch of broken down cars around. Inside one of them looked like a face pressed up against the window. I was with a friend and we decided to go closer so we could see uh, what it really was. As we got closer, it still looked like a face. We got scared and asked the tough boys to go take a look and it ended up being a picture of a face stuck on the inside of the window. Fizzer. Cruel joke. I was prepared to find a dead body. Glad it wasn't though. Can't wait till the next episode. Uh, from Brani, uh, she's emailed. <laughs> she's got little asterisks. Nice things, nice things, nice things. In uh, oh, in all seriousness, thank you for making this podcast. I've had a rough time health-wise this year, so I've spent a lot of time listening to a podcast in bed. Um, Blah, 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 nice things. Um, I have a super morbid sense of humour and interest, so it's awesome to listen to you both every week talk unabashedly. What a great word. Great word. Unabashedly about all things death and dead bodies. The closest thing to a dead body story I have comes from when I was studying nursing at uni. For the practical component of our anatomy subject, we were able to view and handle cadavers. Mm. I remember pulling the tendons of an arm and seeing the hand make a fist. I also held a brain in my hand. One of the first things we were told about being in the lab uh, is that there were no bags allowed. A student once stole a cadaver's arm. I don't want to know what they did with it. Arm for heaters. No, that was his own. You wouldn't eat somebody else's arm. Well, you eat other people's cows. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just saying. The cows you eat and the chickens you eat aren't yours. It's someone else's. Okay, Charmaine. She says, I'm obsessed with dead bodies because as an emergency nurse, I've seen many, but I could always guarantee we would get a dead Santa every Christmas. Some <laughs> Sorry, big laugh, fat man laughing. would put the suit on in 40 degree heat and have a heart attack. <laughs> it's not fun having to try to resuscitate Santa Claus. That's true. In we Australia, have hot Christmases. Yes, we do. That would be – oh, dear. That's unfortunate, isn't it? Uh, this is an email from Wendy. She says, as it comes up in your podcast about having a bell to ring in the coffin, yes, it does. Oh, everyone keeps coming back to this. I thought I'd share this web page with you may be interested with. I thought the phrase saved – pardon me. I'm in most interested – this is interesting, Wendy – Say so she thought the phrase "saved by the bell" referred to being buried alive, but it turns out its origins are in boxing. But there were patents for devices that Dee Dee especially might want to consider if she's scared of being buried alive. Wendy's article um, includes some quotes from famous, very clever people. Lord Chesterfield. I don't know what he did or invented. Probably the couch. That's a Chesterfield, isn't it? With all the buttons on oh, it. Oh yes. Yep. All I desire is for my own burial. Hang on. All I desire for my own burial is not to be buried alive. Yes, I'm with you, Lord Chesterfield, 1769. Uh, George Washington 
have me decently buried, but do not let my body be put into a vault in less than two days after I am dead. And Frédéric Chopin, swear to make them cut me open so that I won't be buried alive. Oh. Yep. See, smart people are onto it. And she then goes on to say that um, Saved by the Bell is a boxing slang. So if a box is in danger of losing then the bell signals that it's saving them. But there wasn't a, a device, she says, called Vesta's device uh, where they included a glass screen so that you could view the occupant of the coffin too. So if you could look in, if I'm dead, and see me screaming and saying, Chanel, get me out of here, please. There's no bell for me to ring. Chanel, bang, 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 please let me out. Don't roll your eyes at me like an emoji face. Sound to that weird podcast thing where I do things that don't make noise again. Okay, hi ladies, this is from Sophie. She says, "Love the podcast. Had to stop listening for a few weeks, so I had some to binge at a later date." Oh God, you deliberately picked binging. I just found out Chanel's dead body hiding place, and I completely agree. Living in northeast Victoria, we have so many spots like that. My partner and I like to go four wheel driving, and I always say this would be the perfect place to hide a body, and he always says. When I die, throw my body down there. How cooperative. Mm. Typically at the top of a very narrow ridge. Also, a few weeks back, my partner was working at a funeral home fixing their security system, and only after completing the work and being approached by the director was he aware of the dead body lying in an open casket at the other end of the room. (gasps) Thanks for making a fun Aussie crime podcast, Sophie. Wow. Wow. How did he miss that? It's the first thing I would look for when I went in there, wouldn't you? Yeah. Wowie zowie. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, Remember, you can record your dead body stories if you have seen one or you just want to send us a message because that's our new thing and we love it and we'd love to hear your voices and if you want to do an accent, even better. Mm, How do they do it, Chanel? Talk us through the technology. Just use the memo function on your your phone. On on this handy iPhone. Yeah, and record it. Or could they send it as a video and just not... Yeah, and we could just use the audio from that. You could do that too. Lovely. Please do that and send it to deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.